1: Hey, everybody. This is the Varsity Club Podcast. It's Friday morning. You're listening to Derek. I got Greg Smith with me here. We just recorded for about 15 minutes and realized that apparently like two minutes in, it stopped recording. So we had a really good intro that will never see the light of day. Greg, how are you? I'm excellent. I'll try to run back
0: a little bit of that. My Lakers had a sweep. You like the old a we do. You're a little bit happy that Steph got hurt because it's about time they had bad luck. I am. I think the Rockets would beat them without Steph, but I'm not a believer in the Rockets. Paul George is coming to the Lakers, so I'm waiting to buy his jersey
1: next year. He is that pretty
0: much sums up what.
1: He is <laughs> not coming to the Lakers. He so is. You can have LeBron, but you're not going to get Paul George. Russ walked out of their <laughs> arena last night wearing PG's shoes.
0: I mean, you can try all you want, Russ, but those baby Lakers, they're coming.
1: They have a bromance forming that will rival the likes of Steven Adams and his Cantor.
0: You know what would be an even better bromance? Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, and Paul George. They can have a nice little trio.
1: I don't know that Paul George would get along well with Lonzo Ball. And I think the first time Kyle Kuzma tries to troll him on Instagram, Paul George is going to be like, hey, make an all-star game first, (laughs) then talk to me second.
0: No, he looks like he likes to have a lot of fun. He's an easy-going guy. He
1: looks like more of a, a fisherman guy than somebody that's going to wear, like, what was Kyle Kuzma wearing that Lonzo I, I trolled him?
0: There's so many of them. There's, there's a handful of them. That's the kind that's of fun. Fur things that he wore. Yes,
1: yeah. with, like, the pink, yeah. tight, skinny jeans. Yeah. That is not the kind of fun that so Paul George likes to have. Him, I don't know. He's weird. They're all weird, man. Man, that was such a good intro that we had recorded, too. Ooh. I'm so upset right now. This has been a miserable morning.
0: You've got a tough one. You'll recover, man. Little Things will come back in balance. That means your afternoon is going to be that much better. You're going to be walking to your car, you're going to find 50 bucks.
1: That would be nice. I'm covering stickball this afternoon, so uh, that will be fun. It hasn't, that hasn't happened in a long, long time, so we'll see how that works try to set this so that my screen doesn't time out so that it doesn't kill our recording again.
0: While you do that I can continue to talk about those baby Lakers who are on a nice little run right now. Uh, Are they still winning games? uh, They're still winning games. That uh lost against Portland drove me nuts though because Dane Lillard just kills the Lakers and someone had someone in my mentions on Twitter that made I thought a pretty good observation and said that the reason why Lillard kills the Lakers so much is because that's his best time to get shine because no one else cares. no one cares normally when he plays in Portland He's in Portland. He's always getting snubbed for All Star games, so he gets on a bigger stage. He's not getting he's snubbed for All Star games. <laughs> that, that is such a narrative that, that he has created. That's what they say I didn't say that. That's because <laughs> I think it's extremely difficult um, as a guard and a, a guard and a forward in the West to make the All Star team. I don't think it's any like huge disrespectful thing if you're that next guy in line. Um, but I can understand where he's upset about that. But I actually kind of like that theory. I thought it was pretty good. Also, Dane Willard, of course, said that uh, if he was not with Portland. On the team he would have wanted to draft him was the Lakers. He didn't want to say that. Because everybody wants to play in L.A. Comes full circle.
1: Nah. Yes, I I cool. do feel bad for, for Damian Lillard. I wish he was on a different team. I think he would... I think his star would be a lot. He would be an he MVP be guy if he was on a different big team. Big star if he
0: was somewhere else. Like I really do. Believe. And it's, it's weird though because Portland is a great basketball city. It's just a smaller market. Um, it's tough up there in the northwest, so people they're not on TV a ton. Nope. It seems like whenever they're on TV, they're playing the Lakers or the Warriors. Like it really feels like that's the only down there ever on national. Or it's in the playoffs yeah, and they're or getting in swept. The yeah, <laughs> and then they run into a, a really tough matchup. Um, so I wish that people, more people got to see him. He is one of my favorite non lakers in the league.
1: The, I feel like the only time that they were on TV was when they had like the the all-star starting five, Wes Matthews and Batum and <laughs> yeah. Aldridge. And once those guys all left, everybody was like, okay, let's forget about Portland.
0: Still wish Aldridge would have stayed there.
1: I wish they all would have stayed there. I like that yeah. team. I wish Brandon Roy was still around. So do I. Four minutes in and we haven't talked about Nebraska yet. I was about to say Oklahoma, but Nebraska. <laughs> we got some uh, Jacob Padilla is not here today he's covering men's hoops high school hoops state tournament over at Pinnacle Bank Arena and uh, we're not going to beat a dead horse so we're not going to talk too much on Nebraska basketball Uh, but we are going to talk football you got some recruiting updates for us and then uh, new leading man Scott Frost was over on Sports Nightly a couple nights ago and had some interesting comments so we'll get to that in a minute but first let's talk about recruiting. You got some news for us? I do have some news. So we're starting to get
0: to, so next week, um, next Friday, spring football starts. Um, and by the way, not that this affects that many people that are listening to this, but it does to us, so I just need to say it out loud so someone else hears it. I think next Wednesday, we're going to end up getting media availability, um, which is probably, this is probably a great way to Praise the heavens. To this. Um, so remind me later to tell Vogel about that. Uh, we need to clear that day out to be able to cover that. But uh, next Friday is when spring practice starts, and they're going to start to have guys Guys come in, different recruits come in, um, they've invited them to different spring practices and they want them to come to their junior days on March 31st and April 7th and, and or come to the spring game on April 21st. So with all of that there'll be a lot of guys coming through LinkedIn to come to campus to check out the football program. And I think it's smart that they're doing it this way where they're inviting guys to practice versus having their junior days, you know, on a random day in February um, or even earlier in March, like around this time. So a lot of schools are doing that. Um, but I've got some confirmations for you. Um, Chris Hickman, the tight end from Omaha, Burke, um, highly talented kid, I think creative player for Scott Frost offense at tight end. He's going to be attending the spring game. Um, and then you also have Nick Henrich, his teammate, who has not confirmed that he's coming to the game. He told me last night that he's absolutely going to come to a spring practice, but he's trying to make it work um, to come to a game. There's a running back that I did a story on a little while ago, um, Brees Hall out of Kansas, um, who's a legacy. His stepdad played for Nebraska. He'll be in town for the spring game. And then a couple other kids from California um, because Calabrassica still lives. Spencer Light, um, a defensive inside outside linebacker and his teammate whose name I'm blanking on and give me a second, Kyle Ford um, who's a top uh, receiver out west. Um, They'll also be attending the spring games. We'll have more on that coming uh, throughout the day um, as I get some more details around those spring game confirmations.
1: Calabrassica will live as long as the GOAT Lamar Jackson is on campus. <laughs> that is
0: true. And a godfather.
1: Oh, Dismuke's from California, too? Yeah,
0: he's from Calabasas. Tristan
1: yeah. good. Oh, Tristan, Jeff, he's still, okay, he's still oh, Tristan W., too. Uh, he looks like he's grown. Did you see? He had an Instagram <laughs> post with uh, McQuiddie and Taijan Lindsay. I know that Taijan's a pretty short guy, but McQuiddie's not a short guy. Tristan looks like he's, he's grown maybe like an inch or two. Looks like he's added some bulk, too.
0: Yeah, so i glad you brought this up. I wanted to mention this. So, it, all throughout the winter here, <laughs> I continue to hear great things about Tristan Jambio Like... I I, I don't mean this in a bad way I don't hear so much about Adrian Martinez and I don't know that that's intentional um, or if it's a slight to him so I don't necessarily think to take it that way I think it's more praise of what Tristan Jebbia has done both in the weight room leadership wise and getting into the playbook things that we leadership and getting into the playbook we kind of knew um, that he would do because he was praised for that during the old staff right Um, but the weight room transformation of his body from what I'm hearing and what we saw in that picture a, he grew an inch is what people are saying, and he's put on another like 20 pounds of muscle. Like the last measurements that I heard floating around um, was 6'4", 195. If Tristan Jebbia is 6'4", 195, he's going to be your starter. That's a starter right there. Yeah, like it, because the only thing holding him back was his size. Yeah. I, don't, I think Tristan Jebbia has every other thing that you need to be a really effective quarterback in this offense. I think he's fast enough. Um, he is a good decision-maker. He is a very accurate passer. He's really smart at quarterback as well. Um, so I think right now, what's today's date? What is it? The 9th? March 9th. Yeah. Right now is March 9th. Or the 9th, 10th. No, is it? Let's see. March 9th, yeah. yeah March 9th, 9.48 a.m. Central Standard Time, Oscar Time. I'm going to say Tristan Jebby is the leader in the clubhouse.
1: Ooh, got a bold prediction. Yes,
0: right now, as of right now. With a lot of hedging before we see anything
1: in spring. What was he when he got here, size-wise? Not uh, 6'4", 195.
0: No, he's probably 6'3", 160.
1: The, the transformation that he is undergone from a physical standpoint from the time he stepped on campus until now it was pretty amazing. Yeah, so when so even
0: going back before that, so when Justin Javier came back, came here for his official visit weekend, right? Back in the like I think him and Keyshawn and Darnay Holmes, sorry, um, were all here. Um, my wife works on campus um, and she saw them as they were getting a tour of the building that she works in and she goes hey, I think what we've got, like I know that that's Keyshawn Jr. because I've seen pictures of him but I think they're recruiting a punter the punter that she was referring to was Tristan Jebio because he was so small. Like, that's the type of <laughs> transformation that we're talking about here with uh, Tristan Jebbio. He looks a lot bigger. So you get a little bigger, though. But Quiddy was jacked in that photo as well.
1: I'm excited for him. I've been following him on. On Twitter, he, he's been going through the rehab process, and I'm excited for him to come back and play. He was a guy that I was high on heading into last year. Yeah, I was always
0: high on him uh, coming in. I thought that and this is a revisionist history. You can go back and check this out. These things exist on the internet. Um, I, I was higher on him than I was Keyshawn. Don't go through my old tweets. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. You, I don't think that'd be a good idea for it. if you go far enough back, me either. Um, and I have and gone back to the deleted some. Um, but Javon Quiddy is somebody who I really like. I think that he was the best receiver um, long-term of that group, even with Tyjohn Lindsey in that group. Um, I think he's going to be very, very good. I think his work ethic is through the roof. Um, that, that wide receiver room is going to have some stiff, stiff competition. Um, you're either going to get with it or get left behind.
1: Yeah, which is weird because you know we're, the, the narrative around that room was that the, we don't have a lot of guys. And now we're sitting here like, man, you better Bring your A game Or you're not going to play
0: But think about How many How many different Position groups We can say that for now And I think That's the most Encouraging thing That you can say right now Mm -hmm. Is that The quarterback room Obviously (laughs) is are going to have A quarterback competition The running back room offensive line and wide receiver and specifically tight end like every position on the offense and then you can do the same thing for defense. It's a, I think it's a little less on defense that if you have a little less quality bodies <laughs> I guess on defense. Um, but the, on offense, like those positions are gonna be really hard to come by. Like I think I wouldn't be surprised if we're not already at that situation where guys are really afraid to either miss or slack in workouts. Um, or, you know, class Stenny for, you know, getting in the playbook and stuff because it's going to be really difficult and there are guys waiting to take your spot.
1: Let's talk about, uh, what Scott said on Sports Nightly. He went on Sports Nightly Tuesday and, uh, I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day. Someday this week, Scott went on Sports Nightly, talked about the quarterbacks. Let me read something that he said. Quarterback's going to be a work in progress. We're going to let all of those guys compete. Everybody's going to get a fair shake and a fair opportunity. At Oregon our first year, we had Jeremiah Masoli, could throw the ball but was more of a runner, and we were a really quarterback run heavy. The next year we had Darren Thomas, who was pretty good at everything, and we opened it up a little. Then we had Marcus, Mariota obviously. He could run the ball, but we wanted to protect him, so we did a little bit more throwing and kind of running back runs with him. Obviously this past year with Mackenzie Milton, we didn't want to run him up the middle much. He was just not that big of a kid, but he was an effective runner. To touch on Tristan Jebbia and Patrick O'Brien, both are doing a great job. I can see them getting stronger. They can both really throw it. They're picking things up well. In our offense, you don't need to be a 4-4 as a quarterback. You just need to be an effective runner. When a defense dictates that you should pull it and run it, you need to be able to get some yards. That doesn't mean you need to be Johnny Rogers or Mike Rozier. He's got the the Nebraska names down. (laughs) But being able to pull it and run it and get six or seven yards and get down, I think both of those guys will be capable of doing that. It's a pretty good endorsement of the two guys that have been on campus already.
0: Yeah, it it really was. I'm, I was a little bit surprised by this to be totally honest I um, would not surprised based on what we've already said about Tristan Jpio I was not surprised about those comments. More surprised that he's now including Patrick O'Brien. yeah those because really he was o- not included before
1: yeah those really opened the door for Patrick for him to be like, well Patrick's the guy because we don't necessarily need a quarterback that's going to run it 15 times a game you just need to be able to get five yards.
0: I, yes, and, and I think that he's correct in a way. I still think that when this offense is working at its optimal level, I think that you you need a little bit better threat of a run from the quarterback. Um, because at least, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're having a ton of design runs, but also when the play breaks down on a pass and that guy can scramble, then either scramble and keep his eyes up Russell Wilson style and be able to throw it down the field, or scramble, keep his eyes up, but then take off Lamar Jackson style, like if you want to think of it that way. Um, but I just have a hard time envisioning Patrick O'Brien being that guy. And maybe it's because we've all kind of pushed him to the side. Um, and then maybe he's using that as fuel. You never know. It, it'd be a nice thing to be able to use because no one's giving him a chance right mm-hmm. now. Um, but I just have a hard time envisioning.
1: Maybe this is reading between the lines a little bit, but maybe him talking up Tristan and him saying that we can open things up and we can adapt for a guy like Patrick Maybe is he saying that we're comfortable not full diving into our offense in year one because Adrian isn't ready, and then we can do like a a watered-down version of it year one? And then year two, when Martinez is ready, then we've got our full-blown offense.
0: I don't know. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I don't, I'm, I'm struggling to figure out what's a watered down version of the offense. I think that either way, it's going to go fast. I think that what he's been saying about the flexibility to either Go fast and be run heavy, or go fast and be pass heavy. I think that is the way. <laughs> and I think, that they, I think that Frost and Walters think of the offense as it's really flexible and that you can do either. Like, I think that when it has balance, it's at its best, and most teams will tell you they want balance. Um, but I think that he believes that the offense can be flexible enough to where you're basically installing the whole thing because really the baseline of the offense is just going fast. Like, that's the part of incorporating the whole thing. What you do on top of that um, with either throwing, more or running more is really kind of the cherry on top, and because the offense is so versatile, it allows you to do either. So, no, I don't take it to to mean that, um, but I do take it to mean that that's a good thing that the offense has that flexibility in it, because it doesn't pigeonhole you into one specific type of quarterback, um, and they have a couple different types of guys on campus.
1: It's a much different situation than it was in the previous couple years. Yes, because in, in, a lot more flexible.
0: Yes, <laughs> because you seeing what and it, that's a great way to think about it though, because seeing when Mike Riley first got here and what the offense looked like with Tommy Armstrong and how they were trying to blend the offense, but really you knew that that's not what they wanted to run. Then you get to the Taylor Lee situation, um, and it never really fully meshed. Like you can that you saw the issues <laughs> with all of that. I don't think you'll have that same situation here. Uh, but I also just think, frankly, that these are. Better offensive coaches um, that we have now as well and you know their track record kind of proves that
1: out yeah let's uh, let's go on to another thing that he said uh, we're, we've got a couple money quotes Brandon Vogel had uh, these transcribed in his hot reads, so go check that out if you want to see these in print uh, but Frost on the strength and conditioning program when I was out In Eugene, I said, if we could mix that style of play and that speed training with Husker Power, that we'd win a lot of games. And that's what we tried to do by getting Zach down to Orlando. He changed our team down there. We weren't just bigger and stronger than most teams we played. We also stayed healthier than anybody else in the country. And a lot of that has to do with the way we train. He's already starting with the guys. He's going to make big changes in the roster. Stayed healthier than anybody else in the country. That's huge.
0: That's the thing that I. That's the thing that jumped out to me as well. <laughs> in that quote, especially considering what this team's injury situations have been like um, over these past three years, and really a little bit beyond that, even going back to the Bow years, there were a lot more injuries than you thought there should be. And then once you compound that with the lack of depth that the team had, you know, there was always going to be a ceiling to what they could do. Um, and I think that that's going to be a huge thing. In that, especially as Nebraska continues to move forward and we're in year four of, you know, Scott Frost and Zach Duval's program and they have built up more depth on the team, they've recruited more guys, and then you also have a stronger walk-on program. And by stronger walk-on program, I don't mean necessarily the numbers, I mean the development of those guys. So what Scott's talking about um, with what Zach Duval is doing to these guys. In the weight room, if you get those numbers up and you can build that depth, even then, if you have an injury or two, you can sustain that. Like, Nebraska was in a situation, especially think about last year at wide receiver or cornerback. What would happen if a couple of those guys went down? You were up the creek in that point, right? Um, So, I think that that's a huge deal to be able to keep those guys healthier um, and to be able to obviously get them in better shape because (laughs) that offense is going to be a challenge, especially to get those guys ready for that.
1: And fair or not, Not being healthy was like a a major fan criticism of the Riley tenure that I had noticed on Twitter that there was like there was a legitimate conspiracy theory that that people weren't healthy under Riley and that that was weird or different from the way that it's normally been. And people were wondering, well, why is everybody getting hurt all the time? It was weird.
0: There were also, like, all the soft tissue injuries at wide receivers, all the hamstrings and groins and all of that, Mm -hmm. quads, calves. And that was, I think, in part because they were running so many routes in practice. Um, They ran a lot of routes in practice, and they didn't have numbers, right? So those weren't getting dispersed amongst a bunch of guys Um, You were probably having too many reps. And then think about all the offensive line injuries. Those are always the two areas that that jump out to me. You can count very few times throughout the last three years where it felt like the entire offensive line was healthy. <laughs> you can't picture that a lot. Which is a really bad sign when you already were struggling to find a good mix of offensive line.
1: Uh, next one, Frost on tackling. I, I enjoyed this one. One of my big passions in coaching is to coach tackling. This is Scott talking. <laughs> the reason for that is I was a very average to below average NFL player for six or seven years and in my first four or five years I was a bad NFL tackler if I'm being honest. Then I got down to Tampa and they taught tackling a completely different way. Teaching you to run through tackles, to not break down, just shoot your guns and be aggressive. They taught a technique that went along with that. It went from being a bad NFL tackler to a good one. Tackling is another issue that we had with the last regime. And it was an issue that was very... I mean, people were very loud about their distaste for unheard of tackling struggles on this team. So if they can figure out how to tackle it'll be in good shape yes that you really defensively you would be <laughs> yeah that, that helps a it's lot amazing how that works
0: but it's funny too though that he mentioned effort right in and, and the way that they teach will be different and which you really basically have to let go and be aggressive and i think that that too was a criticism within the criticism right so within that bad tackling if you take it down on that or dig a little deeper the effort of the tackling um was also something that was always in question so and people and what did people always say if we saw them giving really hard effort and they were going max effort but then they were missing the tackle we could kind of live with that because they were selling out to try to make the tackle I think you'll at least see that as a baseline now you want them to still make the tackles but I think you'll see a a different effort level um, going forward as well.
1: I'm excited I'm ready for football I mean like everything that I've seen everything that I've heard I keep seeing hype videos and crap on Twitter I'm excited for football I want it to be here already
0: it's hard not to and this is where it gets interesting for us is that and I think that based on what you just said I kind of get the same feeling from you that like you find yourself having to kind of internally tamp down your excitement slash expectations for this team so and it's I think it's a little bit easier for us because then we have to get into the nuts and bolts of actually covering the team I don't know how your average fan that's listening to this how you guys are actually tamping down the excitement and how you could not be like through the roof excited about what's about to happen with this team. Because just go it, all in. Because it feels like, an, so you know sometimes when a new staff comes in, you feel like they're just saying all the right things mm-hmm. just to say them because they know that fans want to hear certain things. I think you always have a little element of that, but it also feels like so many of the things that these guys just naturally do and say align with what's good, what Nebraska fans really want. Now, I don't think that that's necessarily by accident, because I think that's part of the reason why you hired this guy and why he brought this staff with him, which has heavy Nebraska ties. It's
1: almost um, like Scott played here before. Yeah, it's almost like that, right? I think
0: that's one of the kind of side benefits, obviously, that you get um, from that. But it's just, it's just super interesting to watch and observe people and how excited they are. And I know a lot of people, and even people that I know that try their hardest to be. like, like oh man you know I'm not that excited but then you they send me a message and go did you see this did you see that did you see the video of them playing tug of war with the rope did you see the guy bleeding when he was you know lifting the weights all everything now is new and fresh and exciting um it's it's a great time in Husker football people needed this after the debacle of last year.
1: Freedom's squat face in that video (laughs) was great. It was awesome. I am excited 12-0 just (laughs) just go into the deep end. Dive into the deep end. Twelve and zero with
0: that schedule, they should be the runaway number one team and get a bye into the, the final.
1: Yeah, you don't even have to play the semifinal. You know, you just get to play the first. Yeah. You just play the championship. That would be twelve and zero. Even like ten and two, nine and three. Like if they go eight and four, I'd be like, holy hell, Scott.
0: I, eight and four would be like okay. I think they're really on track here. Like, these guys really really know what yeah. they're doing. Like even like I don't think that if they go 6 and 6 I would say we need to question it. Um but if they find a way to go 8 and 4, uh, yeah, Nebraska is on their way.
1: Like they could go 6 and 6 with the schedule. Maybe even 5 and 7 and I'd be like damn, this team's on the right path. It, it depended on what it looks like. Yeah, uh, And
0: especially, the thing to me, and it, I've been saying this, and I'm going to say it a million more times, um, the quarterback to me is the big X factor on whether how high, if they're going to go from either five to eight wins, how well the quarterback plays to me is going to dictate that. The other thing, though, is just how good can this defense be in year one, which I think has a chance to surprise people. Like, so long as they can get the secondary figured out, but what would help the secondary if they need to struggle along a little bit, actually getting a pass rush? Like, there's a couple of things there um, that could go a long way to helping the, the accelerated growth of this team. And I think the defense and the quarterback um, are two big big issues here going
1: forward. Surprise, surprise, having a pass rush is a Eric Schnander specialty. There you go. He's very aggressive. See, again, it's the things work. It fits channel, together. <laughs> yeah, it fit Everything that they need fits with what they have, and everything that they have fits with what they need. I mean, it, it works right now. Uh, what do you got going on this weekend? Any big plans?
0: Actually, yeah. So <laughs> demo day is at my house tomorrow. So we're actually going to be demoing all the floorboards and the frames of the doors and all of that. Gonna...
1: Are you going to dye your goatee blonde?
0: I will not be done. I go too blonde, um, but I'll think about it. I'll have like a picture up somewhere. Maybe we'll do that. That'll be the inspiration. Um, but now it'll be go fun all in. You got to go all in for the next few weeks. My house will be a big construction zone. We're doing a pretty big house renovation, so well that'll be like fun. One of that. You're not going to get not, to. Not fun for my wallet, but
1: <laughs> you're not going to get to play much. LeBron, Boogie, Anthony Davis led <laughs> Lakers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, probably not. But part of the time, yeah, because sometimes I'm going to have to be stuck in the basement um, while they're working on the upstairs once we get to that section of this. So, yes, I will then. But, yeah, my LeBron, Anthony Davis, Boogie Cousins, and Lonto Ball, Laker team is, is very good.
1: For y'all questioning this, Greg sent me a random text on a Thursday night with just a picture of his TV screen with one of the eyeball emojis of his starting lineup, and it had LeBron and Anthony Davis and... Cousins on the the Lakers, and I'm like, did you just turn off like trade rules? <laughs> I did
0: not. I'll explain. To you like you can auto approve all of how the I trades. <laughs> no, it was a crazy journey to how we got there, but but we did. it
1: Oh boy. One of the things that, and I and I said we weren't going to talk about basketball, but I found this interesting. One of the things I was uh, talking with James Palmer Jr. Thursday yeah. for a project that I'm working on for the the magazine. Tease, tease, go subscribe to the magazine. And uh, I asked them about this season and what this season would mean if they missed the NCAA tournament. You know, I asked if it would mean if if they would look at this as a disappointment or if it would be kind of like a, a, well, you know, we know what we have to do to get better. And we know the position that we have to put ourselves in to make it next year and make it that much stronger for next year and have this be a springboard. And he was pretty blunt and said, I mean, this would be a disappointment if we don't get in. He made the case and you know he knows all the numbers and he said you know we feel like we're a tournament team and this would, we we would be disappointed this season would feel disappointing if we didn't get in." and I was a little surprised by that
0: I am a little bit surprised by it as well but I kind of like it to be honest I, I love liked, it I liked him having that mindset uh, but I am surprised that that he kind of put it that bluntly yeah
1: did you see these new these shoes keep popping up on my timeline <laughs> the emoji cleats I did the Adidas that. emoji cleats yeah. I want the, the fire ones, and I want the Snoop money bag ones.
0: You want the snowflake, frost, icy ones? Hell
1: yeah. Those look amazing. So
0: how are they going to – so this is the thing. And then those are – those shoes are everywhere, and, like, all of the recruits like, are all tweeting them out to all the, like, Husker targets, um, which is awesome. But my only concern, and I to go all real life on you, is how do they incorporate that into the Husker jersey? Because they're very blue. Like, very UCLA
1: powder blue. The cleats are? Yeah. I thought they were white.
0: They're, like, kind of white with that icy blue. Like, there's a little bit... I don't know. I I, I need to see them in person.
1: Okay, I'm I'm in the camp, though, that you could be, like, red jersey and wear, like, bright green shoes. Like, just wear whatever shoes you want to wear regardless of of the color palette and how it fits with the jersey
0: yeah you're of the mind of that but you're like like nebraska fans and a lot of the people that work there are probably loosen not. it up man loosen <laughs> yeah, it up
1: yeah. i love the the ice out white jerseys that they had i love the black ones not big fan of the red ones that had the big n in the middle of yeah, the chest but mix it up every once in a while
0: i agree with you but i to- like and i've been down this road
1: give me red night. pants give me red pants Red jersey, red pants. That's what I want.
0: That's a little bit, but can, okay. Can we do that? But do my grand idea of the metallic corn cob helmet.
1: Corn cob helmet.
0: Yeah. So check this out. You would have like a maybe a silver because they had some silver in these jerseys before. So you have the red shirt, the red jersey, red pants, and you have silver helmet, but the, it's metallic and it's got a corn cob as the logo.
1: Like, just a corn cob, or is it like a?
0: Get like maybe like a fighting, angry corn cob. You know what I mean? Like something cool like that. Intimidation. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you don't see that. Okay, you know what? Well, I just know. No one's me really on that. Like, I don't understand. I've said that on Twitter a few times. Um, it's like
1: no, like, don't put a fighting corn cob on a helmet. <laughs> you already get made fun of that you are just a football stadium in the middle of a cornfield. So, your way to combat that is to put a corn cob on your helmet. You're
0: embracing it. Scott said that we need to embrace corn husker, right? He's wanting people to say that because he thinks that it's part of the state's fabric and history, and we don't run away from the fact that corn is part of the state. It's like a walking quote. He is, really is. Like, so the whole staff is. Like, it's a real sneaky, awesome thing. That's why every media availability is going to be so much fun. Um, But yeah. No. Metallic corn cob helmet.
1: No no like like i'm trying to picture what this this fighting cob would look like like does he have like legs like, and arms like, and like, eyes like, like it's,
0: it's i'm picturing
1: something that's very cartoony yeah, kind of. and it's not coming across as intimidating it's coming across as like the uh, like you play oregon and they look across and they've got like the bladed feathers on their on their shoulder pads so, awesome. and they're like these guys over here a bunch of you're, corn you're farmers. You're
0: laughing when that thing is going by you in a blur when Miles Jones is running past you or Mil Honus is coming downhill to punch you in the mouth. Like, you're not laughing then.
1: I mean, I mean, no, but but you're laughing in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, and like, you're getting trolled right? on Twitter. Yeah, that's okay. It's Twitter okay. does not care about whether you're winning or you're losing. You are not safe from Twitter if you do stupid things. No,
0: you're really not. So you would say that Metallic Corn Hot Helmet is
1: a no. I'm going to come around on that, okay. and I'm going to hate you for it. Good. Like, I'm going to be sitting at home one of these nights, and I'm going to be like, man, that actually kind of would look cool. And then I'm just going to be like, I hate Greg so much for the rest of my life. <laughs> it would be the first time i said that. Metallic corncob helmets. There you
0: go. <laughs> Speaking into existence.
1: <sighs> okay. Uh, that's going to do it for this podcast. We'll be back next Friday, and just keep it with Hail Varsity through the weekend. We'll have coverage on Football, we'll have coverage on. Baseball, as baseball gets back up, we'll have coverage. Uh, hopefully, if Nebraska makes the tournament, we'll have. I mean, we'll we'll have stuff regardless of whether they're in or not. But hopefully, they're in. We'll have state basketball stuff. Yep, Jacob's doing a really good job covering state basketball, and Greg's got recruiting. Lots of stuff for you guys to read. Keep it there. Thanks, guys.